Hop in and roll with the OG. You are listening to Building Educators with Wood, and I am your host, Rashada Wood, teaching OG. Hey, teacher friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Building Educators with Wood. I'm your host. My name is Rashada Wood, and I am about to be finished with my 18th year of being a teaching OG. First of all, I hope you are well. I hope you are taking good care of yourself. I hope that everybody that is connected to you and everyone that you love, I hope they are well. I hope that your students and their families are well. Well, my teacher friends, it has been a little minute since we got together and blew off some steam and laughed and were encouraged, but I'm back like I never left. Y'all, it has been busy, busy, busy. Most of you know that I teach at a school that is still in the building. We went, we were in the building the entire time. We have, as of today, we have seven days of school left. As of the moment I'm recording this, seven. I think it was the great and prolific songwriter named Prince who said, all seven and we will watch them fall. So that's exactly what I'm doing, teacher friends. I am hanging in there and I'm about to watch all last seven of these days fall. Now, what, what else has been going on with the OG? Well, it's been pretty busy because that big test, it came and it went. Yes, that big state test. You know, we were very hopeful here in Georgia that we would not have to test our students this year. And the powers that be said, nah, y'all are going to test those kids. And so we said, well, you know, it is what it is. We're just going to do what we always do. Our kids are going to do their best. We know we have prepared them. So how did that go? you know how it goes. Teacher friends, hey, you know, I don't even have to say words. You know what that sound means and you can fill in all of those blanks. You already know how it went. What else has been going on since we talked last? Oh, Teacher Appreciation Week. So let me give you a belated happy Teacher Appreciation Week shout out. I hope that your school showed you much love. I hope that you felt appreciated. And if you did not feel appreciated by your students and by your school system, I hope you did something for yourself because you deserve it. I actually had a great teacher appreciation week. My kids really showed out and came and showed the OG love all week. My school did some really neat things and I did really feel appreciated this year. One thing that I started this year, I started having this time and it's usually at the start of our day. Now at the start of my day, let me kind of set you up and tell you what I'm doing. There are a lot of tasks to do that have been brought on by COVID. Our kids eat breakfast and lunch in the classroom. So as I am starting my morning off, I am recording who ate breakfast, making sure that I've got all my tallies correct. Then I have to be the waitress and then I got to take everybody's lunch order and see what they want to eat and what kind of milk they want. Certain days of the week, I have to sell snacks and I have to see who wants what and I have to take up their money. I have to label it in nice little baggies. And then there is one day a week where I sell ice cream. The OG is an actual ice cream man. So I've got all these tasks that I'm doing every single morning, taking attendance, the usual stuff. And I've started having this time where my students can talk about 
anything. Not long. Any administrators listening in, we're not using instructional time, but just very short, briefly, I check in and say, hey, how are y'all doing? Is there anything you want to talk about? Make it kind of brief, one or two sentences, or is there a burning question that you need to ask? Now, there are several reasons I started doing that. One of the reasons is after everything our kids have been through with the pandemic and then with the way that their last school year ended, I know some of them, they just want to talk to somebody that they trust and that they love and they just want to tell their teacher things. And so I've always been a teacher who wanted to keep my ear to the street. I have always wanted to make sure that I am plugged in and I know what is going on in the lives of my students. I want to know the music they're listening to. I want to know the television shows. I want to know about things that they are interested in. So I car I wanted to carve out a space where they could just talk about whatever they wanted to talk about. Sometimes they talk about um, their baseball games or their softball games. Sometimes they tell me about pets and they got a new pet or their pet was sick. Sometimes it's sad things like someone passed away. And sometimes it is just total random things like, do you think that we're going to learn about Neptune in third grade? Because they're also allowed to ask questions during that time. I have been answering questions about field day since around about September because it's an open space and it's like, hey, do you even know? Back in September, they were wondering, do you know if we're going to have a field day? Do you know if we're going to be able to have some of the fun days that we've heard about and that we're excited to experience in third grade? So another reason I started that was because, first of all, y'all all know how it is when you are teaching and you are teaching about fractions or you are teaching addition and subtraction and somebody raises their hand to let you know that Meemaw just had a hip replacement. And you know how it is when you're reading a book and the kids are into it, they're interested and you're going around and you're letting kids weigh in and they're chiming in and they're telling you what they're thinking and they're critically thinking and you're working those standards. And then you call on somebody and they start talking about the fact that their dog threw up last night. You know how that is. You know how random kids can be, y'all. So I started this time because I've told kids, look, when I'm teaching, if whatever you want to tell me or ask me is not what I'm teaching about, that's going to make Mrs. Wood a little bit irritated. It's really going to take Mrs. Wood out of her comfortable teaching space. And we don't want to take Mrs. Wood out of her, te- her, her comfortable teaching space. So let's just make sure that we reserve this time to talk about anything. Let's only do that during this time. And so what I started calling it was I started saying, okay, guys, this is the time that we're just going to talk about beans and butts. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you ask me, but this right here is beans and butts time. Now, when I'm teaching, that is not time to talk about beans and butts. So we started calling this protected time that we do every day where kids can just talk or ask anything beans and butts. So teacher friends, are are you ready? I don't think you're ready. I hope you're ready. Are you ready for our very first Beans and Butts episode on Building Educators with Wood? What we're going to do this episode is we are going to look back through season two and we are going to talk about some of my favorite moments. We're going to go back through and hear some snippets of some things that we talked about that I hope really impacted you as a teacher. I hope these moments helped you. I hope they inspired you. I hope they made you laugh. And I hope that during some of these moments, you were like, mm-hmm, tell it, OG, tell it like it is. So let's get into our very first Beans and Butts episode. Let's get into the show. 
To kick off season two, our very first episode was called, Is Anyone Listening to Teachers? Let's hear what I had to say. Is anyone listening to teachers right now? Boy, is anyone listening to teachers right now? I know that many of us feel like we're daily being talked to or talked at, but nobody's really listening. And I was hopeful. Go back to season one and listen to some of the later episodes. And I was hopeful that when everything, when this was all said and done and we were done with quarantine and when we were done with digital learning and when all the dust had cleared and everything had settled down, I was hopeful that we would not only be a part of conversations about school reopenings and best practices and the changes that we needed to make in order to make schools better. I didn't just think we'd be a part of those discussions. My hope was that we'd be driving those discussions. However, to be very realistic and to be very honest, I personally have not felt very present in those conversations. I felt like I got information from a meeting that already happened. I felt like somebody passed along a decision that was already made, but I don't feel like I was present at the table making the decisions, really putting my input in. And I know many of you listening in, you don't feel that you were a part of those conversations either. So what do we do? Do we simply just be quiet? Do we stop talking about what we need? Do we just mindlessly comply? And I think the answer to all of that is no, we can't. Because guess who suffers when we are quiet about what we need as teachers and when we just mindlessly comply with whatever we're told to do? We suffer. And when we suffer, we pass that suffering on right to our students. And when our students suffer, they don't learn. So I think that we have to make sure that we are being heard. And y'all simply, we got to keep speaking up. We got to start keep speaking up and then we got to keep speaking up. And if they don't hear, we got to say it again louder. And when I say louder, I don't mean yelling at somebody now. Don't get yourself fired. I don't mean going into nobody's office and screaming. When I say say it louder, I mean say it with more voices. Get your teacher friends together. Join up. Stand together. And then when they're listening, let's offer a plan. Let's offer what we need and let's say this is what we can do and then if we need to come to the table with the powers that be and if we need to be flexible with the plan then we can be flexible but at least we will know that we were in the conversation we had our hands and we were on the we were co-pilots in the situation we had our hands on the controls and we were all working together to make the best possible decisions that are best for kids because when it all boils down boils down to it we have to do what is best for kids so Is anyone listening to you? Are you speaking? Are you speaking loud enough? And do you have a plan once you have their ear? On this episode, I talked about a term that is fairly new to me, and it is called toxic positivity. And it is the notion that you have to be positive no matter what. But on this episode, I wanted to give teachers a little bit of advice in case we were feeling like we were expected to be positive all the time, no matter the situation. So let's have a listen to one of my favorite moments from that episode. Here's another example. How about when they hit you with the, you know what, at least you still have a job. 
It could be so much worse because there are so many people who are unemployed, people looking for jobs. There are so many people right now that have lost their jobs, but at least you still have a job. FYI, let me stop you right there. FYI, and I'm going to feel every bit of this information that I'm about to give to you, but I am thankful that I still have a job. I am thankful that I am blessed to get to do the job that I love, the job that I know that I was called to do. However, there are still real concerns about this job that I have that need to be addressed. Y'all know I've been teaching for 18 years and I know that there has been this unspoken thing that teachers don't really talk about. And I'm telling you, I felt it more than ever this year. And we talked about the elephant in the classroom on this episode. Let's take a listen. Now let's move on to the B. We are going through the ABCs of overcoming teacher anxiety. Here's the B, burn bridges. I know that you were taught and told to never burn a bridge, but I'm telling you, we are going to have to burn bridges if we are going to overcome this anxiety. And the bridges that I want you to burn are those bridges that allow you access and allow you to go back into anxiety and worry. After you've done the hard work to advocate for yourself, you've acknowledged that you got all this anxiety going on. You began to advocate for yourself. I want to let you know that there are going to be times and there are going to be situations where you feel called back into the land of anxiety, but I'm telling you, burn the bridge, do not go. Now, here are some of the bridges, and of course, this is not a total list, but here are some bridges that we need to burn. First of all, we need to burn the bridge of other people's expectations. There are so many teachers who are living under crushing anxiety right now because they are trying to live up to someone else's expectation, whether it be another teacher, whether it be an administrator, whether it be a college professor, but they are trying so hard to live up to that person's expectations that they are living crushed under the weight of anxiety. Burn that bridge. Another bridge that needs to be burned is the bridge of wanting approval. Y'all, there are so many teachers who are doing the things that they're doing, not because they feel their best practices, but because they just want the approval of their teammates. They want the approval of parents. They want the approval of administration. Now, let me stick a pen right here and say to you, if you know without a shadow of a doubt that what you're doing in that classroom each and every single day is your best, then you need no one else approval. If you know what you're doing every day is good for kids and you're doing the job that they pay you to do and you're doing the job with your own personality and your own flair, you don't need anybody else's approval. Burn that bridge. Some of us need to burn the bridge of pride. Ooh, uh-huh. Yep. In your business. Some of us are doing things as teachers and we are feeling the anxiety and we're feeling so much of the anguish because we are acting out of pride. And the things that we are doing is because we're trying to be better than this teacher. I'm trying to show up this person or I'm trying to show that I'm the best and I'm this and I'm that. Burn that bridge because all it's going to do is take you back into the land of anxiety. 
I know what you're thinking. Boy, we started season two and we hit the ground running. We started out and we got deep and we really did. But then we pulled back a little bit and we took a break and we lightened things up a little bit. And we had a crossover episode with Gray's Anatomy. In this episode, I talked about some of the things we as school systems and teachers can learn from Gray's Anatomy. Here's one of my favorites. Something else I think we can learn from the doctors and surgeons at Graceland Memorial is how to deal with social issues. Now, again, y'all, I have only been watching for 14 seasons, but in those 14 seasons, every single taboo topic you can think of has been addressed. They deal with real issues. They give it to you raw. And sometimes it is very hard to watch, but the writers have done an amazing job at not just showing the issues and showing all of the hard things in society, but they show how the surgeons grow through dealing with the things and by challenging their belief systems. But in schools, what do we do? We pretend that our schools are exempt from social issues and we pretend that schools are safe places and we pretend that our schools are bunkers and we don't have to deal with anything going on in the real world. But in all actuality, schools are just really good at covering things up and hiding all of the social issues that are going on in schools. What if we dealt with our issues and what if we dealt with social issues instead of turning a blind eye? Meredith said something when I was watching last night. Now, again, I don't want to spoil this for anybody, but there's going to come a time when the Harper Avery Foundation has to face some hard truths. And so they're dealing with some things and Meredith makes a comment and she said, you know what? Sometimes you have to tear something down and build it back stronger. And I thought that was so amazing because the Harper Avery Foundation, although it has over 70 something hospitals, employs thousands of surgeons and and people that work there. Also, they have healed so many people and do these amazing groundbreaking surgeries. The fact is the whole thing was built on something evil and oppressive. Now school, let's take school. What a great idea. We're going to educate the youth of the world and we're going to give these kids a chance to build bright futures. And that is great. That is exactly what we're supposed to do. But that isn't what it always actually is. And there are teachers and students and parents and even some admin who have been abused by schools and who have been silenced by schools. And there are some parts of school that need to be torn down and built back up again so that we can build it stronger. But we got to deal with our issues. Have you ever noticed that as you get down to the end of the school year, your lesson plans become more and more, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Not even freestyled, empty maybe. I don't know, whatever word I'm looking for here. I just know that I don't put, now I'm, I'm still writing lesson plans. Don't get me wrong. I know that you are too, but I just don't feel the stress and the anxiety that I felt back in September when I was writing lesson plans. But in this episode, we dissected the whole concept of lesson plans. We talked about the good, the bad, the ugly. Do we even need lesson plans? Let's listen in. 
But y'all, of course, as teachers, there is no way for us to be able to write down every single thing that we plan to do. There's no way for us to even express all of the things that we know we need to do and all of the things that we're going to do. There is no way that a document can reflect everything that we are planning on doing. So my question is, why do we spend so much time and so much energy into making lesson plans that we don't use? Why do we spend so much time and why does admin harp so heavy on lesson plans and wanting to make sure that these lesson plans have certain elements in them when the reality is that good teachers we just know what to do. And of course, y'all, now am I saying that we throw caution to the wind? And am I saying that we don't make a plan? That's not what I'm saying at all. And I know that there are some great benefits to lesson planning. Now, when I sit down with that collaborative plan and when I write those things out, there is inspiration in that moment. And I do look at what resources we have. And I do think about what I could use to teach this certain standard. So on that end, it is good because it does get me thinking. It is a starting place for me as a teacher, but lesson plans will never be my end all be all. They are simply a guide for me. And many times y'all, I am off script. I am freestyling in that classroom, but my students are learning and I know that yours are too. So we need to have a discussion about the importance and the necessity of lesson plans. At this point in season two, we were halfway there. It was Christmas time and we were getting ready to go out for Christmas break and enjoy ourselves on our winter breaks. But I had to check in with my teacher friends to see if they were on Santa's naughty or nice list. And quite frankly, to sum all of this up, if you have let fear hold you back from doing something that you know you are supposed to do in your school, something you know you're supposed to be doing in your classroom or your community, you are on Santa's naughty list. And look, if you have worked this year to better yourself, through self-care, whether you are working towards a certification, you got another degree, or you started another degree, you started to work out, you're eating better, you're taking care of yourself, you're going to therapy, you're working on the relationships that you feel may, you feel may have fallen by the wayside, whatever area that you identified and you are intentionally working on to make it better, that puts you on Santa's nice list. Now, just as I like to keep my ear to the streets when it comes to what my kids are watching, listening to, what games they are playing, what dances they are doing, I also like to keep my ear to the streets when it comes to what my teacher friends are doing. Now, let me tell y'all, I learned about Bridgerton from my teacher friends. My teacher friends were the ones who said, Rashada, you have got to watch Bridgerton. And in this episode, I gave my honest honest views of Bridgerton. The Duke of Hastings. The Duke of Hastings, also known as Simon. I'm having every thought that you're having about Simon. I'm in my feels the way that you are in your feelings about Simon as well. I thought he was very layered. Now, let me tell you, the first time I laid eyes on this man, I knew that this man had a story. 
And I just knew in my heart that if we, the viewers, were going to be lucky enough to just be privy to parts of his story, even a little part of his story, I knew that it wasn't going to disappoint. Teacher friends, I knew that this man was going to have us on a roller coaster with his story. There were so many layers to him and he didn't disappoint. He did not disappoint now. When I was looking at the Duke of Hastings and I was looking at his interaction, his interactions with Daphne and the the men and, and with Lady Danbury, I was looking through my teacher lens. I really was, y'all. I was looking through my teacher lens most of the time. I'm lying again. I was not looking through a teacher lens, but there are times where I did kind of think about this as a teacher. Um, and I was thinking about, you know, just how verbally abused he was as a young boy and how his dad just told him that basically he was nothing and because he was different and had some difficulties then he was a she was um an embarrassment to the family and I just thought about how that goes to show us as teachers which we know that we know this but I like that the world got a glimpse of the fact that when kids have endured years of parental abuse or abuse from people that they love and that they trust and when they they've had to see things and hear things and feel things and hear how they're not good enough and how nobody wants them and how they'll never succeed when they get to school carrying all of what they're carrying when they get to school it is tough to reverse that damage it is tough now fortunately the Duke had Lady Danbury, the, the original OG. Um, but this is what we as teachers do. This is why I felt like I really, her character resonated with me because I feel like as teachers, we do the same thing that she did. We step in. We make sure that we tell kids, I believe in you. Um, I won't let you give up on yourself because I see it in you. I know that you're capable of it. And I felt like Lady Danbury gave the Duke just the right measure of love um she knew that there were times where she would have to step in as a parent even when he was an adult and even when we would see them interacting when he was an adult um there were times that she had to give him some some tough love and i do feel like there was a smidge like a tiny smidge of coddling just a little bit now because you know us ogs we don't roll like that but i think that she gave that delicate measure and that delicate balance of everything that he needed to be the man that we saw on screen um and it just reminds me of what teachers do every single day one thing i take very seriously on building educators with wood is making a space where we can have some tough conversations so this episode happened a little bit after the storming of the capitol and so i wanted to talk about how we can have tough conversations with kids let's hear one of my tips on the flip side we have to shut down some convo there are some conversations that kids want to have. There are some things they want to tell us. There are some thoughts that they have that they are dying to share. But these kind of thoughts get us stuck. They don't help us move through what we're dealing with. They don't move us forward. They just literally get us stuck. Now, these are the type of conversations that are just drenched in opinions now as a teacher i'm sitting here listening to you i'm looking for i'm listening for one fact and you ain't said not one fact yet 
So I got to shut you down. I got to shut you down. Because here's the thing about truth. Even though the truth may be unpleasant and it may be uncomfortable, we can stand on the truth. We can build on the truth. But if kids are just wanting to have conversations about things that are just unnecessary and things that don't help us get to something productive, it's basically like we're standing on sinking sand. And the more we fight to get out of it and the more we talk and the more we get into it, it seems like it just pulls us down deeper and deeper. So those kind of conversations have to be shut down. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Man, if you ever wanted to hear my raw, unfiltered thoughts about testing, here they are. Let's listen in from one of the moments on this episode. Last but certainly not least on our list of things that data should and should not do, data should be about the kid. That sounds very simple, very elementary, but data should be about the kids because I, if I'm using my class time, if I'm going to give up my precious instructional time to give this test to a kid, I need the data that I receive from this time loss to be something that will help me help this kid. If I'm going to use my personal time, because of course we know that there are not enough hours in the school day to dig in data and to have data chats and plan and and, and do all the things that we need to do and, and make strategies and, and figure out and get materials together. There's not enough time to do that. So of course we're doing some things at home and many times we are digging in data during our personal time. So if I'm going to use my personal time to look at these numbers and to reflect and consider and to reflect on my practices, I need for it to help me help my kids be the best they can be. With everything that has happened since last summer and the death of George Floyd, I thought it was very important during Black History Month to check in and talk about the state of Black students and Black teachers. And here is one thing Black students and Black teachers need you to know. Many of you are saying, I know I can do something, but I just need to be pointed in the right direction. And that is good. But let me give you a little tough love right here. Let me stick a pin right here. We have had about eight or nine very intensive months of flooding. Now we talked about being flooded with images and being flooded with conversations that are uncomfortable and unpleasant to have. But on the flip side, And on the good side, we've also been flooded with ideas. We've been flooded with instructions. We've been flooded with creative things and creative ways that we can work together to make this situation a better situation. So people of color, we don't want to keep hearing, what can I do? Because there is so much information out there. There are so many instructions that have already been shared with what you can do. Now it's time to take action because this work includes you. You didn't thank me. This line right here from the movie Malcolm and Marie on Netflix was the springboard for the conversation we had in this episode. In this episode, I talked about what a thankless job teaching is, and then I went through just a few of the reasons teachers should be thanked. Let's hear a few. Thank you for the times you've had to parent your students. 
Thank you for the times you've held students while they've cried and you told them everything would be okay. Thank you for the times that you calmed their fears. Thank you for the tough love. Thank you for dressing up during spirit week, teachers. Thank you for being fun. Thank you for making everything you do relevant. Thank you for seeing every single child. Thank you for holding your pee. I know no one's told you that, but thank you for holding your pee. Thank you for eating in 11 minutes flat. Thank you for just shoveling that food in your mouth. Thank you for having your game face on in front of kids. Thank you for never complaining in front of kids. Thank you for never disrespecting anyone in front of kids. Thank you for all of the after school duties and the after school responsibilities that you have taken on for kids. Thank you for being flexible. I know no one has told you that lately, but I want to thank you for being flexible. I want to thank you for thinking on the fly. Thank you for being professional, even though there are some times when these parents and these kids can talk a little reckless and you want to forget and you want to just kind of revert back into some of your old ways. Thank you for being professional. Thank you for making your classroom a safe haven. Thank you for attending horrible professional learning. As a recovering perfectionist, I know how hard it is to admit when you've made a mistake. But in this episode, I talked about a lot of the mistakes that I have made as a teacher. And not only did I talk about the mistakes I made, I talked about what I learned from those mistakes. So let's hear one of the biggest mistakes that I made as a teacher. Here's another mistake. Another mistake I made was believing that because I am a teacher, there are things that I will never have. There are things that I will never be able to do. There is a certain way that my life must play out because I'm a teacher. I have to come to work early. I have to stay late. I will never make a lot of money. I won't ever be able to have things that are nice as the person who works as a CEO or the person that works in a Fortune 500 company. I will always have to put school above my family. There are these things and so many more things that we were taught as teachers. And if we weren't taught them explicitly, we were taught by veteran teachers and some of the things that they said to us, some of the things that they did to us. We're taught every day by the legislators. These are things that we're taught every day by admin and our boards of education, um, our parents, and even the kids that we serve. They teach us every day that there are things that as teachers, we just have to put up with, we have to deal with it, and there's nothing we can do about it. However, that is a mistake that I believed early on. And that is one that I, you are, you are hearing the fruits of me coming out of that. I do not believe that as teachers, we have to accept the things that the teachers who came before us accepted. I don't believe that things cannot get better because the things that we know need to change in education, if we were in a situation where we believe that it could never get better and it could never change, all that is a hopeless situation. And that is very depressing to think that we are in a profession that there are so many things that are going wrong and but they will just have to go wrong forever because that's just what happens as teachers. So I believe the the, the way that I have totally gotten away from believing that lie and believing that mistake I believe, y'all, that as teachers, if we lift our voices and if we start being truthful, if we start talking honestly, and if we start calling a spade a spade and telling it like it is, 
I do believe y'all that we can affect some of the change that our teachers needed to see. So I'm not, I don't make the mistake anymore of believing that the way things are for teachers is the way that they're always going to be. And there are certain things that we have to accept. Absolutely not. We need to raise our voices and we need to speak up for what we need. So that was our very first Beans and Butts episode of Building Educators with Wood. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed going back down memory lane and recapping season two. I also want to thank you so much. If this is your first time listening in or if you are a regular, I want to thank you so much for spending this time with me. I also would love to hear what do you do? What is something that you have made it a priority to do for kids this year? regarding this pandemic and regarding everything they've been through. I'd really love to connect with you on social media. I am on all of the platforms. I am on Facebook at Rashada Writes. I am on Instagram, Twitter, and I am on TikTok at Rashada C. Wood. You could go to my website, www.rashadawood.com. And I'm sure when you click around over there, you will find something that will make you smile and encourage you. If you are on Amazon, buying the things that you need to get your summer started, off right, grab a copy of my latest book called Prayer Plans. Now you can grab that copy and you can go ahead and stash that thing away for the upcoming school year. It is a prayer journal where we have been for the year of 2020 and 2021 writing out all of the things that we are asking God to do in our classroom. And let me tell you, as somebody who has been faithful with that journal, I did not miss a week. And I'm telling you, I have seen God move in ways that I never thought was possible in my classroom. But the key was remaining consistent and making sure that I was very thoughtful in writing those prayers. Until next time, class dismissed.